Happy Easter weekend, all you pinball fanatics out there. Welcome to episode 343 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. We're going to get right to it on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I want to talk to you a little bit about Willy Wonka. I actually just got off the phone with Jack. I sent him an email this morning about some observations I've had around the Willy Wonka launch. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that, um, his response a little bit, and also talk to you about Joe Katz. He emailed me back um, some issues with the game that he wanted to clarify. They're not even issues. I, I just think sometimes, you know, we jump to conclusions. And you're going to hear that a lot in this podcast about jumping to a conclusion on a game. Uh, that you haven't played yet, and also jumping to conclusions about what will be in a game, and maybe sometimes the best way to get the straight answer is actually to go to the people that are working on the game and ask them, hey, what's going on in the game? All right, so we'll talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about Batman 66. Um, Before I do that, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Josh Kugler. Uh, I think he gave a lot of great information about Oktoberfest. You all know that the competition this spring summer for pinball dollars is intense. And do you think Oktoberfest will be able to break through and find customers this time of year? Here's what I think is going to happen. You know, I think people will get over all the issues they've had with the artwork and the LCD. I think people who go in on the game are going to have a good experience with the game. I still think it's going to be really, really tough for them to find a lot of volume in sales this spring summer just because of so much else that is out there right we haven't even talked about black knight that much uh, i plan to go to sunshine laundromat in brooklyn uh, sometime hopefully this weekend which would mean today tomorrow might be tough because it's the holiday uh, but i want to play the game i hear it's there I've been reading the thread a lot, and I think a lot of you are saying what we expect to hear. The game is fast. The game is difficult. uh, The game is high energy. uh, The game is fun. uh, That is Black Knight. Now, will people be buying this game? Will it come? Will it have the sales numbers that people would expect? Here's what I'm also hearing. I think people who have ACDC, who have Iron Maiden, I think they might be good. I think they might be good on another pin that has a sort of similar vibe. And I think that's sort of where we're at now because there are so many games out there. Are people going to keep adding to their collections pins where they already have a similar type of game? And we're and I think that's the other part of being oversaturated uh, that will impact uh, you know games' ability to sell uh, to new customers if those customers feel like they're already good with a game that plays like that, that feels like that, that shoots like that. All right. I also want to do on this episode of Kenny's Pinball Podcast. I want to read a lot of your notes and your feedback. I've been getting a lot of them. Uh, it, it seems like my Pinside Babies episode did a great job in once again getting all of the people that supposedly hate me and can't stand Canada's Pinball Podcast to once again do the one thing they say nobody should do. They once again are giving me nothing but attention on Pinside. It's amazing the ability of this podcast, which is not even on Pinside, its ability to become part of the conversation on Pinside. But you know who always starts the conversation about me on Pinside? It's the people who say I shouldn't get any attention. It's the people who say the show sucks. It's the people who apparently hate me so much. So I just want to thank all you haters out there for being the advocates and the people who carry the flame of Canada's Pinball Podcast on the Pinside. We really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy every episode, Flinnybus. Even though you say you don't listen, we know you do. 
Welcome to the party, pal. All right, so first I want to talk about Batman 66. Now, I am selling my Batman 66, but I'm not 100% sure I want to sell the game. Now, you know me. I've listed the game on eBay for $20,000, and there's eBay fees, and I'd rather not sell the game on eBay. Now, the reason why I think my Batman 66 Super Elite is probably, if you're going to buy one, unless it's still new in box, this is probably the nicest one out there for sale in the world. Now, right now, as of today, I know this is the only Batman Super Elite for sale in the world because there are none for sale anywhere other than this one. And also because I put the Playfield Protector down from day one, this game looks mint. It has all the mods you're gonna wanna get. It has all of the like like the new helicopter from Eagle Moss, all the stuff that's even hard to find is on this game. And so it's, it's pristine, it's mint. There's not any damage to it. I don't play it that often. Uh, and so I have an, a serious offer from someone for $18,000, serious offer. like. I wired money today if I say yes, shipping paid for by the buyer. Should I sell Batman 66 for $18,000? Now, here is my dilemma. I still think this game is going to go down as one of the greatest stern pinball machines of all time. It's a timeless and iconic theme. It's one of the most gorgeous pinball machines ever. Uh, the art package on it is just spectacular, especially on the Super LE. The other part, and this this is like why I love the game I have, is it actually has a personalized call out to my name. So it says, Chris, get the bat phone. If I sell this game and I don't need the money, so that's the other part, I don't need the money to buy Willy Wonka. If I sell this game, the chances of me, if I regret selling it, getting it back will be high and I will probably never be able to get back another Batman Super Early that has my personalized call out. Now, is that enough reason to keep it? Uh, for those of you wondering, $18,000, like, well, so how much do you have into it? And I'll be fully transparent. I bought the game from Cointaker about like six months to eight months after it was out. So I paid $16,000 for it. So he charged me that. I mean, you can you could sell a Batman SLE new in box for more than that now. Uh, I have about $2,000 in mods in this game easily. Now, for those of you who are like, how is that even possible? It is possible. If you go down the mod list, it adds up very quickly. Uh, once you add in all this stuff, everything from Penn Stadium, I have PDI glass in the game. Uh, you know, different uh, I've, uh, different hinge, uh, the, the hinges that say Batman logo on it. I'm just sort of looking at the game right now. Lots of stuff on this game uh, that adds up quickly. And so I have about 18 grand into the game. So I'd be kind of breaking even if I sold it at that. But it also is testament to how incredible pinball is sometimes as, as just getting your money back, right? I mean, what other toy can you buy? And then a year later, a year and a half later, you could sell it for what you have into it and not lose a single penny. I mean, that is incredible. Now, uh, email me. I want you guys to tell me what I should do with my Batman 66. If you think I should keep it or if you think I should sell it, canadapinball uh, at gmail.com. And I will read your responses on air on what you think I should do with my Batman 66. Is that fair? All right. Okay. I want to talk quickly about Willy Wonka. I don't want to go into too much detail because when I read the emails, I am going to read what Joe Katz emailed me, which I think will be um, interesting to all of you guys out there that are wondering, you know, what is going to be the status of the game when it comes to assets and call outs and all that stuff. Because, because if you saw the stream yesterday, 
I, I think there's a lot of communication going on at Jersey Jack to people out there in the world that's a little bit confusing. I don't think they have like a centralized message about, well, what's going to be in the game? Like, what, what, why are we confused about how the game is actually going to sort of use all the assets from the Willy Wonka movie? So I'll read that email to you guys in a little bit. But here's what I told Jack. And I told him this in an email. None of this is like breaking NDA. None of this is secret. And I, and, and I would tell it to all of you. I think these guys did a good job revealing the game, but I do think there were a few issues that they should correct moving forward as they think about game reveals. And here, here's the one thing that I just implore them to do. The collector's edition of a Jersey Jack machine, it's their creme de la creme. It's their high-end version. It's their premium version of the game. Uh, it's the one that is most limited, and it's the one that comes with the biggest price tag. But it's also the one that comes with the most upgrades. Everything from different art to sparkles to, to powder-coated this to candy powder-coated armor to topper. There's a lot in it. And, there, and you know, for $12,500, people want a lot. Now, they obviously are targeting uh, the high-end pinball home-use collector guy, right? That's who buys collector's editions, right? But here's my thing. You only get one chance to make a first impression, and I can't help but cringe when I see them sort of bring the collector's edition around to different shows, but it's not really a collector's edition. There is nothing on that game that is final other than maybe the candy color of the armor that is on the game, but the rad callas are not there. The powder-coated wire forms are not there. The topper was not there. The sparkle was not there. You go down the list, and almost every single thing that makes the collector's edition special is not there. So why are you bringing the game out? Does Ferrari pull the car out when it's not complete? Does Stern Pinball, do they ever show you the LE before the LE is done? They don't. And, and I again, I just think that this needs to be handled better. And especially if you want to get 500 guys to get really excited, you got to show them what they're going to get. And it should not be a piecemeal delivery of those things. You know, I heard Eric on the stream be like, well, you know, we should have approval soon and we'll just show you guys what it's going to be. No, do something special. Don't just trickle it out. Don't just throw it out in the world and, and don't just like arbitrarily you know, dump it on us. Do something that is worthy of all the years that was spent working on this game, all right? I also implored them to change the pro artwork, the standard artwork on the game. I just don't think it's it's up to the standards of the other Jersey Jack games. But you know what I'm hearing? And this is just, you know, this is just, I think, the reality of when you're working with these designers uh, like Pat Lawler, is they have a lot to say in, in what ends up being the game. And I think a lot of the decisions they're making, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, they hearken back to the way games were developed back in the 90s. And so you go back to the 90s, a lot of times you had just the big logo on the cabinet, and that's what they did because the games went into arcades. But we don't live in that era anymore. And so I really do hope that they rethink uh, what could be on the standard cabinet. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, a lot of these decisions just come down to Pat. And so if, if anyone's going to make that decision, it's going to be him. I hope he reads the forms. I hope he reads the feedback. I hope he listens to what people say about his designs because that is the thing we did not have in the mid-90s. We did not have an ability 
for these guys to get the feedback, to get some of that constructive criticism, and to make the changes you can before you ship the games to people. And I think sometimes, you know, these guys who come from the 90s, they come from yesteryears, I think they look at the internet as only being a cesspool and a dumpster fire of commentary. But I think you have to look past that. There, Of course, there's going to be those people that complain, but there's a lot of good feedback people are giving on this game. Letter H aside, right? <laughs> there's a lot of good feedback people are giving that they should listen to. You know, you've got to, you've got to do that. You have to make sure, if you have a modern-day company, that you listen to what people say, all right? Okay, what else do I want to talk about? Let me read some of your notes. This won't be the longest uh, podcast, but I want to read and give you guys some shout-outs because, again, I do appreciate all of you people who listen to this show. And I know that sometimes, you know, like my Pinside Babies rants turn some of you off. I know some of you enjoy them, but that's always been a part of this show. And this show will never change completely what you love about it. And I want to always give you variety. The good thing about Canada's Pinball Podcast, you can't lie, is I give you variety. I give you a lot of shows. So some of my shows might hit the mark. Some of them might be complete misses to you. And that's okay. I, you know, I'm, I, I, but don't ever say that I didn't serve up a lot and I didn't give you guys shows frequently enough that whenever you have the itch to listen to a pinball podcast, we are there with you giving you uh, shows to listen to, all right? So let me let me pull up. First, I'm gonna pull up my Facebook uh, comments that I get, then I'm gonna do my Gmail. So there's two ways to get in touch with me. All right, I got an email from Colin um, Meadows Alzheimer. Uh, he just says, just gotta say, man, your podcast is fantastic. I love the passion and, um, and the takes. Not sure why you get so much hate, but it seems unfair to me. Keep it up, man. Well, thank you, Colin. I'm not sure why I get so much hate either. I'm just one guy with a pinball opinion. I'm not the big bad wolf a lot of these people want me out to be or make me out to be. All right, I got an email from Bryce LaFoon. Uh, Bryce, so he says, so my question for Canada, besides pin podcasts, what other podcasts do you enjoy listening to? All right, he said he's a podcast junkie. Now, I'll tell you guys real quick. The things I listen to, because I don't spend my time listening to all the other pinball podcasts out there. I listen to a few. Like, I love Special One Lit. Uh, I love Slap Save. Those new guys are fun. Uh, you know, wait do you hear the Christopher Franchi segment he's going to put on that show. Franchi let me hear it. And I just got to say, man, it is. it definitely is a very well-produced podcast within a podcast. I told him he should just do his own show, though. It's kind of weird to have, like, a podcast within a podcast. But that's going to happen, apparently. Um, but what I love to listen to... I love like true crime podcasts. My favorite ones are Serial Killer Podcast, uh, Case File, and then My Favorite Murder. So check out those three. Uh, but then he also said this. Bryce said, congrats on your Twippy. Love it that you say what you want and don't hold back. People should toughen the F up and stop getting so bent out of shape over your freaking, um, over freaking pinball. I hope people listen to your advice and have... Uh, an attitude adjustment. Well, Bryce, look, I mean, everyone gets so bent out of shape in pinball. It is funny, but I think everyone puts it in, in perspective. All right, so they got an email from Adam Greener. He said, holy S-H-I-T, the mother of all rants. Loved your latest and couldn't agree more. Appreciate you. Well, thank you, Adam. I am so happy you listened to the show. And look, we had to drop the gauntlet. We had to. We had to put the hammer down on all the nitpicking. Now, for those of you out there, I think you missed the point. My point was all about the fact that we nitpick too much. 
it wasn't that Oric is a very talented creative director. He he makes a lot of really good points, and we all learned a lot about design. It wasn't that. It it was the level at which we nitpick these games now is just ridiculous. And that is the only thing you should take away from that podcast rant. That and the fact that pinball podcasts should not just interview other pinball podcasters about pinball podcasting, all right? All right, I got an email from Brian Millard. He says, let's see, Wonka was everything you said it was going to be. What a layout. Can't believe people are even trying to compare it to Black Knight. Had a blast shooting it last night. Can't wait to hear your podcast on our trip back uh, to Minneapolis Sunday. Going to be a great MGC this year. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate the note, and I'm glad you love Wonka. I think a lot of people are loving it. Uh, The game apparently is selling very well. I I do think they have some work, though. The other thing I told Jack is this, and I didn't bring this up yet. Besides the collector's edition, and besides launching that thing the right way, the other thing I told Jack is, for the love of God, do not overstream this game. I don't want to see a stream every single week of Willy Wonka. I don't. I, I loved what they did yesterday. I thought the JJP team did an awesome job streaming the game. Now they need to stop. They need to not show us all of the magic in the game. Everyone needs to do one thing. I think you need to trust Jersey Jack Pinball that they will deliver a game that they know you want. That they will code this game and put the things you love from the movie in it to the best of their ability with whatever restrictions the licensor has. I think we need to not see it all, though, months before the games ship to people. I'm so tired of pinball companies all ruining the surprise. The other thing I don't think they should do, and I think this is so silly that they do it, I don't know why any of these pinball companies release sort of the rule sheets of the games. Why do you do that? Why do you show me the entire pathway of the game before I've even played it. You've absolutely ruined the entire surprise. I also think those rule sheets make people's head spins, uh, but I also, I don't wanna see it. I want, why, whatever happened to, like, it, like, do you buy a video game and the video game comes with the, the entire storyline mapped out for you? Oh, so, like, imagine playing Resident Evil in which they tell you the exact order by which you go through the entire story of the game. And I don't understand, we're spending so much money to have this really expensive pinball experience in which so much of the joy comes from the things we didn't know were coming around the corner in the game. And instead of figuring it out ourselves and and, and discussing it with other owners and, and comparing our notes, we basically have the company giving everything away before it's even shipped to a single customer. And I think it's a big mistake. And I think this mistake is coming from the coders. I think it's coming from the engineers at these companies. I, I think they think that that is what you do to market and get people excited about the game. But I'm here to tell you, no, they are 100% wrong. You're wrong for doing it at Pirates. They're wrong for doing it here. Uh, we don't really see Stern releasing these things right away. Let the game do the talking. Let people get surprised and delighted by the game. And let us just enjoy it. Uh, without spoiling it with a million streams. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean was the greatest example of a game that felt like it had been out forever by the time it came out. And then nobody, you know, like, for example, Battling the Kraken, really cool. I I love the fact that I know it's in there, but don't show me it. 
don't 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 just like get there 18 times on 18 streams and by the time it's in my home it, it doesn't have the same impact you know I, I I don't understand I don't understand and I think these companies need to stop spoiling all the stuff before you get it all right all right that's that's all I'm gonna say on that all right let's see I have I don't know if I read all these Robert Brooks he says Robert says to me you said there was something never done in pinball and Wonka what was it I've been watching but have not seen anything out of the ordinary. So, Robert, I'm not sure if I read your comment before, but putting your face onto the Wonka vision was definitely new. Here's the other thing, too. I, I feel a little bit bad about Jersey Jack at times as they get slammed for not being innovative. Jack brought so much innovation to pinball and stuff like the camera and stuff like Wonka vision. I, I, I mean, you guys look at this stuff being like there's no innovation. and then, But if I look at Black Knight or I look at the Munsters, where there's like there there's not even that level of innovation so maybe you're damned if you do damned if you don't maybe jack put too much into the games early on and now nothing seems like any bit of a leap forward uh but i do get what people are saying you want to see let's forget the word innovation you just want to see stuff happen on a pinball game that you haven't seen before you want to see pinball magic with the silver ball that's never occurred before and i feel the same way and i think if you look at wonka Sorry, through that lens, if you look at it through that lens, is something happening with the ball that I've never seen happen before in all pinball? And I don't think you're going to say yes to that question, right? There's, there isn't. And there's not like a mechanism that's doing something like you've never, ever seen before. So if you look at it through that lens, absolutely, I think you could argue that this doesn't have the most breakthrough mechanism or innovation in the game. Now, that being said, when you flip the game, I think you're still going to love it. And, and, and so what's most important, right? Because the game just shoots so damn well. All right, so I got an email from Dan Donnell. And Dan says, hey, Kay, you always mention that you only have room for one pin in your apartment. I'm curious, though, when the time comes and you, Brenda, and Bubba move into a house or a larger space, how many pins realistically do you think you would own? And which ones would they be? Thanks, Dan. Well, Dan... I mean, that's like a really difficult question for me to ask because how big is my home? How much money do I have at that point? Here's the thing. I, I as someone who built an arcade in his bedroom, as someone who maximized his tiny little one bedroom in New York to become a really cool arcade, I have to say this. As I get older, I I am overwhelmed by one feeling and one feeling only. The stuff we own starts to own us. And the more you have does not make you happier. And as I look at my future and look at my family, less is more to me. Less clothes in the closet, less shoes to wear that ultimately will get worn through, less pinball machines to have to sort of repair and, and, and take care of, less arcade games, less is more. Now, that being said, if I, let's just say I have like a decent sized home. For me, the ideal number of pinball machines, the ideal, I, I don't understand why you would need more than this, the ideal number of machines would be four to six. To me, that's like all they would ever need. Now, I don't want to go into specifically which games I would own. Uh, it's hard, right? Because we always want to own the next games coming out because we all know Deep Root's going to make the greatest games ever and there are going to be six Deep Root games in my home. No, see, I don't know. What I think, for me, I would own six games where I love the theme I can tell you that. So that's why I'm going to own Willy Wonka because I love the theme so much and so does Brenda. And we will own and keep Willy Wonka forever. I, I love that theme so much. 
Yeah, I will tell you, it could quite possibly be Guns N' Roses and Toy Story because I equally love those themes. Uh, but if someone made Big Trouble in Little China, if someone made Karate Kid, a Lord of the Rings might be one that I would go back in on if Stern Vault Edition that game. But here's what I would own six games. Instead of, let's put the theme aside. I would own, I would try to own six games where the experience of each game was different. You know, I, I think you want a game that has speed. You want a game that might be really easy for casual people to enjoy. You might want a deep game like Lord of the Rings. Uh, but I would try to have variety. And I think six is a good number where you can have variety of gameplay, variety of coding, and be satiated. You know, I, I, I don't understand when I see people with like ginormous collections, but I don't, I don't begrudge those people. I would love to have a humongous house with like, you know, 30 pinball machines in it because normally those people who have that, they also have other areas of their life that are also very large and nice and they're they're not only into pinball. You know, they might have watch collections and car collections and wine collections and take vacations and have, you know, houses in the Hamptons and have this and have that and that's great. I hope to reach that level of success one day. Uh, but I but I I also and I'm going to be honest, I also could just be happy with one pinball machine. I definitely always want to have one, one game that I love. And I think for a lot of you out there uh, who only have one machine and you rotate that game out, you're having a lot of fun, right? So I also saw this on Pinside. Someone said something like, you know, I'm an arrogant snob. But let me tell you guys something. No one caught the joke. When I made fun of people getting in their Honda Civic and driving to work with the automated seatbelts and getting ignored in the lunchroom, do you guys know that I also drive a Honda Civic? Like my other car is a Honda Civic. Uh, I do have a Dodge Demon, but the other car is a Honda Civic. Now, albeit it's a Type R, but still, I have a Honda Civic. So uh, for some of you out there who took a lot of that seriously, we're all doing this a little bit. Uh, all the other podcasters out there, we're doing this for entertainment too. I mean, come on, it's just a pinball podcast. Anyway. So that's what I would do is I would have four to six games that had complementary gameplay styles. Uh, but thank you, Dan, for listening to the show. I got an email from Lawrence Levin. Now, Lawrence is a listener of the show. Now, Lawrence was more than that. He was also a Patreon supporter until I put up the Pinside Babies podcast. Now, he wrote, I really enjoy your show and respect your opinion and perspective. That's why I've been a Patreon supporter. While I agree... With most of what you said about the crappy nitpicking of Wonka, I'm not down with the personal attacks, juvenile name-calling, and elitist car-sharing. I appreciate your strong, passionate views, but not the bullying of those you disagree with. For that reason, I have now, for now, decided to end my Patreon support, Larry Levin. Well, Larry, look, I'm sorry that you found that to be offensive. If you listen to the show, you know this is not what we normally do. We blew a gasket, and we went a little over the top maybe on that. I hope it was entertaining. Uh, for those of you who know me, that's not, like, I'm not this, like, arrogant snob that, like, puts people down and, and this and that. And, like, but look, we were just going on attack mode to go after the nitpickers and the pinside babies that are out there. And you know who they are. But I hope you saw in the next episode, in this episode, we're going to keep getting the show back on the normal track. Uh, so hopefully you'll reconsider uh, your Patreon donation in the future. All right. But it is interesting. It cost me some money. <laughs> All right. So I got an email from Ian Haberman. He says, hey, Chris, I woke up this morning to a dry bed. 
I had to stop going on Pinside due to the Oktoberfest is better than Wonka thread. Started by yet another guy who hadn't played either. Wonka is an amazing game, and I can't wait to get my LE. It's crazy to think I never noticed the H. Sarcasm. Thanks for everything you do. Love the show, Ian. Uh, Poor man's pinball podcast. Well, thank you, Ian. And look, you know, someone did start that thread like Oktoberfest is better than Wonka, but I also thought that was just a little bit of a sarcastic thread. There's so many threads on Pinside. I wish they would sometimes do a better job of moderating uh, all these, the ability to create a thread when you just have a random thought in thin air. And that's that's where the moderators could just make that site better. Is just you, just why is that thread there? Shouldn't if you think that Oktoberfest is better than Willy Wonka, then write that in the Willy Wonka thread or write that in the Oktoberfest thread. Why does it have to be like every every single new thought someone has can be a new thread on Pinside? Because that that's what really the trolling is about. Because then you start to get a very specific troll like statement gets bumped to the top and then all the trolls you know who you know, all the babies they jump into those threads because those are the those are the threads um, where all the bedwetters go to and I'm sorry if any of you are bedwetters I didn't mean to upset you guys all right so I got an email from Mark felt it's a life beyond pinside he says what you and all the other podcasters are saying about Willy Wonka is 100% accurate you cannot form any opinion of a game without playing it Therein lies the challenge. The number one thing anyone could do to help JJP is to publicize where Willy Wonka can actually be played. This is compounded by the fact that JJP games are rarely put on location. And yes, there are shows, but not enough shows and not enough locations. So here is my suggestion. JJP should promote host parties for those people that buy a Willy Wonka and then invite people over to play it essentially an in-home variant of the launch party Stern has on location. How about this? For every Wonka sold, there are five t-shirts in the cash box with a note that asks for three things. Host a Willy Wonka first play party for as many friends as you can muster. Give the t-shirts away to the four highest scores. Keep one for yourself. Three, agree to post a video no longer than five minutes of you and your friends playing the game. That's it. That is how someone can help JJP. Jack could set up a group on Facebook to promote this and totally do it. If the game is as good as people that have played it are saying, then these parties will sell games. Mark Felt. Mark the marketer. You can't spell marketing without Mark. Do you see what I did there? No, Mark. I think that's a great idea. I actually, I really do. I, I think that... This is a game where word of mouth is going to be really strong. I think everyone's starting to realize that these streams are not very effective in getting games sold or getting people hands-on time, which is the most important thing with a pinball machine. And I also do agree that Willy Wonka will not appear in nearly as many places as Stern pinball games, but that's also going to change with the new Wonka Standard Edition because at the lower price point, with less stuff in it to be complicated for operators, I think you're going to see this be the first Jersey Jack game that goes out on location in much higher volumes than any other Jersey Jack game before. And I think that will put it out there for more people to play. And there's not much missing, right? You're just missing the virtual, uh, not the virtual, you're missing the physical like Wonka Vader ball lock. But other than that, you're getting most of the game. So all the coding, all that, it's all going to be there. So people are going to be able to experience the world of Wonka without 
having to go into someone's home. But I do like your idea, and I think someone at Jersey Jack should listen to that idea, and I know when I talk to them next, I will mention that idea to them. All right, so Wonka Assets. So here is here is an email you've been waiting for. This is Joe Katz emailing me back about the status of the Wonka game. And I really wanted to sort of get to the bottom of this because I think it's really important that you hear from the guy coding the game when he's had time to actually collect his thoughts and tell you in the right way what what you can expect from the game. Now, this is coming right from them. So all I can do and all you can do is take their word for what they're planning for this game. How does that sound? All right. So let me tell you what I said to him. I said... Uh, so listening to Wonka feedback, the major question people are asking has to do with assets, primarily movie callouts, voices from actors, and songs from the film as they appear in the film. I said to him, before I comment, I wanted to ask you, will we see a lot more of the movie incorporated into the game? What can people expect? How far along is code? want to hear from you before I discuss it on the show. So I was really happy that Joe responded. And here's what he said. In regards to each topic, movie callouts, actors, voices, we have a ton of speech from the movie that we want to throw in. It's a process, though. We don't just want to throw speech in just for the sake of having it in there. We do our best to try and make sure it fits in as best as we can. I'm confident there will be enough movie speech in there to satisfy everyone when it comes to music we have the license to four songs i got a golden ticket pure imagination i want it now and the oompa loompa music at this moment we have almost 40 different background music tunes some use the licensed song songs and some are originally composed to fit the theme again i don't think anyone in the end is going to be disappointed by the music in this game. Now, I also want to add to that that we all know now for certain that Candyman is not in there because the company Mars, who owns the rights to Candyman, would not let them use the, the song. Now, what you don't know is that my one of my clients out of Chicago is Mars, so I might ask to see if we have any poll on, on who made a decision like that. It's going to be hard. Don't Don't think I can make this happen because I'll tell you, the kinds of companies I work for, they're so big. And to say that like a pinball stream is, is you know, not saying nice stuff about your brand. I'm not sure they'll care. But anyway, movie clips. He said, I wanted to make a game that felt different than just here is a mode and here is a scene that goes with it. That has been done a lot in recent history. So this game is not going to have a slew of movie clips associated with specific modes like a rinse and repeat. That being said, I could confidently say that everything you remember from the movie in terms of iconic scenes will be represented in this game somehow. Whether that is intros of modes, modes themselves, or just quick clips that play for a reason. The four modes in the factory tour are the standard way people are now used to seeing movie clips in modes. Those four modes contain a slew of iconic scenes including Golden Egg Room, Inventing Room, fizzy lifting drink room, and a collab style mode called Welcome to the Factory, which contains a bunch of the different scenes from the initial stepping into the factory, signing the contract, uh, the psychedelic hallway, etc. All right. So I think that answer, I think people are still going to be a little bit curious as to, to like 
how exactly is that going to work? And I think that's the other question I still have is like, okay, but I think what people are still looking at and, and scratching their heads a little bit, and this is me talking, by the way, this is not from Joe's email, is I don't think people want to see like movie clips without sounds, without voice from the actors. And and I and I, I guess the question I have, and, I, and I'll say this to Joe when I speak to him again, is do you have the rights to just show a clip with the actors talking or are you restricted from that? So that's one thing I want to, I want to find out. Uh, he then says from code from a rules perspective only, not choreo, including, uh, you know, including this, our soundtrack lights and speech. Okay. So there's a lot more choreography of putting clips from the film in and sound and call outs just from a rules perspective. Most of the game is already in place. There is really only three or four golden ticket modes missing right now in the code. We consider them mini wizard modes, but we'll probably refer to them as golden ticket modes uh, in the game. So we'll see. All right. And the final wizard mode is going to be pure imagination. Okay. So he didn't give me a percentage of what's done, uh, but I think this was a really great answer from Joe. And I hopefully that hopefully that gives you a little bit more of a sense of where they're at. If I'm taking away what they said is you're going to hear and you're going to see what you love from the Willy Wonka movies. Uh, how that will come to life in the game is yet to be seen. But I also, as I told them, I said, look, don't show this game until that stuff is in there. I don't want to see like, I don't think it does them any benefits to ever show this game uh, where there's clips from the movie playing on streams and there's no audio. Or People are going to walk away from those experiences feeling like they're not getting exactly what they want. Now, if they're planning to get that stuff in there, that's great. But I do think they, they should probably go a little bit like stream silent until that stuff is put in. Or they have a couple modes that have it in the way they intend it all to be and show us that. But again, it goes back to my original point. If you show us all that, it removes some of the fun. I am here's, here's my take. I'm buying a collector's edition, and I just expect Jersey Jack Pinball to get this right. And because so much of what is already in the game is done so well, and the game shoots so phenomenally well, that I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm buying it because of how well the, the game shoots, and it's based on a theme I love. I am fully confident that the code will be a, a great game when they are done with it. And I think Jack has not let us down before when it comes to that, uh, because they have the assets. This isn't a Pirates of the Caribbean all over again. All right, all right. I got an email from Clinton. Uh, Sheena says, the letter H, just heard the latest podcast. I left you an audio file about a week ago that was spot on with everything you said. I'm surprised you didn't play it. Now, Clinton, I will play this audio file uh, to end the show, but here's the deal. I'm going to end the show with it, uh, but for those of you out there, it's explicit. This is my problem is, you know, I think for those of you who have your kids listen to it, I, I, you're going to have to, when I, when I say turn off the show now, turn off the show now because it does get explicit, but I'll play Clinton's track just to appease him. I got an email from Mark, Mark G. Mark said, rock on brother, uh, brother Beavis. Thanks for doing a service to the hobby. The podcast was truly Howard Stern circa the nineties. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Mark. It's actually fun putting up some of those episodes where I just get to let loose. All right. The letter H Jeff S, -S wrote, Letter H episode is your worst to date. There was no value offered by either of your two senseless rants. Pull episode and start drinking again, please. Why are you creating major drama over Wonka haters when there is no such issue? People are making critical remarks as well as crazy ones, but that doesn't discount their opinion. 
you are acting hypersensitive to remarks from a few posters. Put it in perspective and you will see that hardly anybody is voicing complaints. They are critiquing and nitpicking too, but it will be two months before these, and then he says, <laughs> I won't curse, these efforts start being made. Problem with waiting to comment until you've played one, there are none to play and the game has been revealed. All comments are fully based on views of streams and picks only. Podcasters talking to podcasters. This is a personal issue you have. I like it when podcasters do this, so I don't believe this is an issue either. Are we entering a period of having lots of channels but nothing to watch? I don't think so, but for this episode, you could blow it up and its loss wouldn't have a ripple effect. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for the candid feedback on the Letter H podcast. It will not be removed. It will stay. Uh, But, you know, look, all I'm saying is this. The nitpicking, man, it gets old and I'm tired of it. it, Like, looks, as I said, like, thought out comments, fine. But everyone nitpicks everything now. It just gets old. Uh, Surge, Surge said... Love a good Pinside Babies rant. Well, Serge, thank you so much. Serge is the guy who took me to Sunshine to show me Pirates. Let's see, a couple more, then we're going to play our friend Clinton's outro rant. All right, but get ready to close your ears again. All right, Puzzle Road, Pinside Babies, Canada. Uh, Bro, it's like you pulled my thoughts. I saw that complaint about the age and laughed. Of all the crap going on in the world, your gripe is about an official logo? Like, dude, shut the F up. Pinside is a daycare for all the Monday morning quarterbacks. It's comical watching these grown-ass men cry like prepubescent teenage girls over stupid-ass pinball. If those morons actually spend time playing instead of complaining, they might actually enjoy the hobby. Never in my 34 years have I seen such stupidity in mass quantities since the DNC and RNC. Grow the hell up. Uh, you drooling gobbers and go do something productive like play pinball instead of hopping on the internet to complain about letters and toys. Sean K. Well, Sean, thank you for the note. Now, a lot of people call me a hypocrite because they say that I am just as guilty of all that nitpicking and crying and moaning and complaining. And look, we do a show here. We call stuff out. We nitpick on certain things for sure. Uh, But I think we do it in an entertaining way. And I think what separates this show from Pinside is I, I, you know, I, I'm not in the fetal position, like really upset and angry about this stuff. You know, we talk about it, we move on, we do another show, we move on, and and that's what this show's all about. Uh, but I think what this show does a great job of is just capturing the things people are saying. Sometimes they're constructive things sometimes they're idiotic things sometimes we say stuff that's smart sometimes we say stuff that's stupid and hey i think that captures pretty much life and ultimately yes everyone should play more pinball and enjoy more pinball all right let's get one more of these and then i'm going to do 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 shyler lane the the subject here is franchi talking bad about stern he writes is he crazy Stern blacklists people who speak down to them. With him releasing his inner conversation with Gomez out, I feel like he is shooting himself in the foot. Unless he is under contract with them and wants to be released from that contract to work with no other companies. Oh, man. So here's the thing. I don't want to get too much into this. Franchi is Franchi is Franchi. The guy is outspoken. The guy speaks what's on his mind. Uh, I'm not sure what his future holds at Stern. 
Uh, I know he's been talking to some other people, but that's Franchi. He's a freelancer. He doesn't work at Stern. I mean, any of these artists are free to go do art at any other companies. Like Zombie Yeti can go do art somewhere else as well. Uh, so we'll see. I'll, I will give Chris this advice because he listens to this show. And he has a big heart and he's, he's humongously passionate when it comes to pinball. I would say this. I would say this. I would land somewhere that feels like the right kind of home for you. Uh, it might be Stern. It might be somewhere else. But I would also just be careful not to be too outspoken before that occurs. And I've seen this in my career. It doesn't matter how passionate you are. It doesn't matter how much you care. If you put your foot in your mouth, and you say something you'll regret, or you do something too strident, it doesn't matter how talented you are. People might look at you as being a little bit too toxic to be worth it. And there's a lot of talent out there that isn't toxic. And so while you might think at the moment, you know, you've got enough value, uh, you always have to be careful. And I'm gonna give you a little bit of a story, like 30 seconds, we had this guy at work Super, you know, talented, creative, but he had like a really toxic YouTube channel of content. It got him fired because someone saw it and then someone actually brought a lawsuit to the company because of it. Uh, and the clients who saw it were offended by his content on in his personal life and they did not want him working on their business anymore and it got him fired. And so I, I would just say that when you do something like this, it's, it's all connected. You know, so look, I know I do this show the way I do it because I'm not like working for any of these companies. If I was a representative of Stern or Jersey Jack and I was officially, you know, the marketing arm of these organizations, I would have to stop this podcast. I would have to stop talking the way I do about certain things and I would focus professionally on what the job is to be done. And if you're an artist for a pinball company, you do need to, you do need to behave professionally. You just can't rant off like you're at the bar with other pinball fans. You can't. You've got to be the professional. And I think that's the other part that people don't always realize is I have a professional side of my life that I do, you know, every day. And I, I don't, I, I can't talk the way I do on this show. It's why I love doing this show because I can be a little bit of a different, uh, you know, a different side of my personality can come out. All right. All right. Let me end this podcast with our friends sign off. Now, again, I told you that this was explicit because I did listen to it. And so if you have children listening to the show, I have not cursed on this show yet but now is the time to turn it off and i'm going to give you five seconds of christopher franchi's moment of silence uh before we air clinton's sign off and then we'll end this episode how's that sound ready let's start the moment now yo canada i'm uh, on my way home from work listening to your podcast and Man, I'm just shaking my head over here, wondering why the hell you give a shit about what these damn bozos say about you on Pinside. These guys are freaking losers. I look at some of these guys on Pinside, and they got 10,000 posts. Who the hell spends that much time on fucking pinball forums enough to accumulate 10,000 posts? These guys don't get laid. These guys sitting in front of the computer all day, eating Cheetos, turning their fucking dick orange. Those ain't the kind of people you need to worry about, man. Screw those guys. Your podcast is badass. You got two Twippies. You're going to get another one next year. You got the best fans. Screw those guys. All they are is jealous. 
They're jealous because they're fat and out of shape. Ah, who else knows why the hell they're jealous? They're lonely. I mean, shit, you got the girl, you got the job, you got the car, you got the looks. Yeah, these, these little bozos are freaking jealous. So stop paying attention to them. Those are the last people you need to worry about. Just keep doing your show, keep giving your opinions, and we'll keep listening because we love it. All right? Oh, and one thing. I said it over at Texas Pinball Festival, and I'll say it again. If you got a problem with Canada, then use a hater. All right, outro. It's the same old.